0: Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus.
1: Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. I want to just take a moment and just kind of uh, refresh us on. Ecclesia groups and what it's all about, and kind of cast some vision for it, and just keep it in front of us. As you know, Jesus leaves in Acts chapter one, and being with the disciples, and in, in the disciples being with Jesus for three years, you would think that that would be enough for them to change the world. And they were they were ready to advance. In, their, in, in fact, they asked the Lord. They said, "Are you now going to set up your kingdom?" And the Lord says, no, but I want you to wait, and you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so they tarried, they waited, and they went into a prayer meeting, and they went into that prayer meeting together, and you know, in Acts chapter 2, what took place. As they were gathering, we have more people in this room than they had in their room. And they changed the world. And so, as they were were praying and waiting on the Lord, Acts chapter 2 takes place, and we see what sounded like a mighty wind. We saw tongues of fire. We saw them praying in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, coming down, and they began preaching the gospel as a result of the Holy Spirit coming on them. In conversion, the Holy Spirit comes in us. The baptism, the Holy Spirit comes on us. That word means ability. It gives us ability to do what God's commanded us to do, which is the Great Commission, right? To disciple all nations. What's interesting, though, is that we get a recipe of what it was like in the early church. Now, remember that let's say Jerusalem conservatively had about 55,000, 60,000 people in the city limits. And let's just say because it was... Pentecost people were coming in from different nations of the world and you know God is God is setting all this up and so we have maybe maybe you have 70,000 there maybe you have 60,000 maybe 70,000 and if you take acts chapter 1 and you go through acts chapter 8 you're looking at about a year and a half and so in a year and a half we we see conservatively in scripture that over 20,000 people are saved in a year and a half. So you have have conservatively about one-third of the city is converted to Jesus uh, in that year and a half span. The gospel didn't even go out to the Gentiles until Acts chapter 10. So what was the fuel for actually seeing a city reached? I think a key, a key kingdom key is what we see in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. In fact, I think it's so important. Let me just go ahead and read it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. That's a mouthful right there. We had signs and wonders Prayer, communion, they were connected. In other words, they reached a city household to household. Now, you know, as I said before, that businesses were actually connected to homes. So in our day, we go to work. In their day, their work was at their house. So in other words, I think Jesus actually was a carpenter in his dad's house. In Joseph's house, and so they, their their business was an extension of their home, and so the two so that's why we get the word not just house to house, but family unit to family unit, household to household. Right? Are You guys there? Say amen. Verse forty four: All the believers were together and had everything in common. Wow! Listen, look at the generosity here. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. So it's important that we gather here like we are today. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The Passion Translation says with joy and humility. So as much as they gathered like we have here, I think that the gospel actually spread when they went house to house. In other words, the small groups were largely apostolic instead of pastoral. There's nothing wrong with pastoral ministry in a small group. We want to pray for each other. But they had their eye on the city. They had their eye on reaching people for the Lord. They had the eye on sharing their testimony, and they actually, I think, they actually prayed for the sick, and I think that they shared their testimony. I think people were coming to the Lord left and right because it said, 5,000, it said, 3,000, it said, 5,000, it said, like there was, a, there was an extreme move of the Holy Spirit that I don't think is an aberration. I think that could happen in the Bay Area. Come on, you guys. I believe that's true. So they broke bread in their homes and they ate together. One of the things that we do with our e-groups is that everyone brings a meal. Do you know what I'm saying there? So if you can't afford a meal, I don't know, Grab some Twinkies or something, you know. <laughs> bring it to the bring it to the group. We just feel like it's important. Now we've been doing this now for two months, three months, maybe four months. I can't even remember. I think four or five months. And uh, in, in our group, we 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 have the Hayward group. We have the Hayward group. All right. So we have the Hayward group. Charles. Okay. <laughs> anyway. And so, everyone just brings a meal. We're just trying it out. We're seeing how it works. And it's worked really good. Um, and so, uh, and then we have a time where we, we always go for miracles. We pray for signs and wonders. We pray for miracles to be released. We've had, I can't even tell, we've had more healings in our small groups than we've had here in the bigger meetings. So, it's you guys laying hands on the sick and they'll recover, Right? And so we've had just incredible miracles uh, that have come, been, and those are the ones that have been reported to us. The ones that are being reported to us is kind of like I, I'm, I'm still I'm still amazed when the Lord does stuff like that, yes. because you can't make it up. It's by the presence of the Lord, it's the goodness of God, it's the grace of God being released. And so people are being prayed over, they're being encouraged, and we see that uh, in Scripture. So we really want to we really want to go after four things when we gather. Number one, we want to bless. So we. When you walk in the door, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be a blessing, and you're going to bless. So be expected to be blessed. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah, I think that's good. And then uh, we're going to fellowship. So we're going to connect. Um, we're going to talk to each other. We're going to connect. And then we're going to, there's some ministry time that we do. Uh, we gather around the Word. Every single t- meeting has the Word, so we bring the Word in. And then at the very end, uh, we proclaim, which is really taken out of Luke chapter 10. So we bless, we fellowship. That's the structure, what we do. But it's kind of like our worship team. Our worship team has a structure. They can go off as the Holy Spirit leads and fall back on the structure. And so that's what we do. So we, we do our small groups a lot like that, and we're actually trying to move them apostolically, trying to be apostolic groups where our eyes are reaching out into the region. And in every single, at the end of every single e-group, we just pray for our region. We pray for our city. You know, if we're in Hayward, we're praying for Union City. We're praying for Hayward. We're praying for Oakland. We're praying for... And we have that going on all over the Bay Area. And that is amazing. That's a, a prayer thrust that's coming out of homes. And so we are super uh, excited about it. And I just kind of laid that out in just a few minutes to kind of give you a vantage point again of why we're doing our Ecclesia groups. I want them to be more than just home groups. I want them to be apostolic. I want them to be governmental. I want to see lives changed. I want to see people encouraged and exhorted. And, uh, and I just want to see his kingdom come in every region around the Bay Area. Is that cool? All right. So that takes care of that. Check, 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 check. I did that. Check, check. Okay, I'm done. So... Wow, isn't that all intro, and I have 25 minutes. So I'm I'm telling you that because I want to be done at 1225, because I want to have the worship team up here. And uh, I want us to, I just want to, we're going to finish off uh, our series on the kingdom. And um, it's been a journey for me to kind of be refreshed with the kingdom. And so I'm just going to kind of lay out just for you just kind of what we've covered and then try and land the plane today, All right. So, we talked about Jesus uh, and the kingdom, that like Jesus talked about the kingdom virtually nonstop. He demonstrated the kingdom. We talked about uh, understanding what, the, what a kingdom is. It's hard to understand the word of God and the kingdom of God when we live in a republic. And so, we filter. I personally filter, filter reading scripture through the lens of me being raised in the United States. But the kingdom is something different than the good old United States. And how I think governmentally is different than how a kingdom operates. And so when we, we have to understand how a kingdom operates so that we can actually better understand the word of God when he's talking about the kingdom. And so we, we went on, that was a, I don't know if that was a, just a one-day journey or a two-day journey. But it was, you know, we really, infu- we really went after that together, um, discussing the kingdom. In other words, kings aren't elected. Whatever the king says is law. Things like that. And so, so Jesus was moving and teaching out of a kingdom paradigm, not a republic, if I can use that word, paradigm. So when he's talking with Herod, or he's talking, he's talking king to king. There's there's things, there's standards, there's things in Scripture that come to life when we understand and we we view Scripture through a kingdom paradigm. Does that make sense? So we spent a lot of time on that, Um, and then we talked about authority and authority. God gives you authority in your area of responsibility. In other words, you're not going to have authority outside of your area of responsibility. But you certainly do have authority within your area of responsibility. So don't be timid in using your authority that God's given you in your area of responsibility. And so, sir, if you're a family man, then you take the spiritual authority that God has given you and you use that authority, you're, respons- you're responsible for your wife and your kids. So you intercede and you pray and you you lay a standard of the word of God down. Like in our areas of responsibility, I just encourage you to move powerfully with kingdom authority. To love and to serve, right? Not to dominate, love and to serve others, but taking that, taking that step in and going for it as a kingdom man and kingdom woman. All right? And then we talked about uh, kingdom influence, and we talked about yeast. We said there's one earth and there's two worlds. So we talked about how the kingdom of God is, is mixed into a dough, uh, some dough, and in the old days, it's, it wasn't like today I have, well, 15 years ago I had a bread machine, and I love that bread machine. Anyone have a bread machine? Yeah. I love that bread machine. I haven't used it because I'm tempted. I'll eat the whole loaf if it's. And I heard carbs isn't good for you. And something about keto and these all these diets, That's right? So, so but I, on our bread machine, I would just take a yeast. I would buy it. Uh, I don't know Safeway. I don't even know if it's called yeast anymore. It's called something else. And then you just sprinkle it in. You plug it in. You close the lid, you mix the ingredient, and you're, you leave, and out comes a loaf of bread. And it's dense and warm. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm backsliding. Um, but then, they actually had to work the dough, they had to work the yeast into the dough. And so, and so as, a, as a believer... The Lord has us stationed in places that he's assigned us to. In other words, your work is worship. Your work is an offering to the Lord, but it's also your assignment. And so, ask the Lord to use you as yeast in the place where the Lord has placed you. Whether that's in your home, whether that's in, that's if you're a high school junior, whether it's in the school system, whether it's whatever the Lord's assigned to you in terms of a work, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's retail, maybe it's something else, maybe it's in the tech industry, whatever it is, the Lord, has, the Lord has called you to be yeast to actually work the kingdom of God into the areas of your, uh, your influence, wherever the Lord has assigned you. And the teaching of Jesus is once the yeast is in there, it's going to work. Yeah, that's right. So the promise is, as we put the yeast in and we begin to mix it, we begin to work it into, and you have to use wisdom, we work that into the places where we're assigned, the promise is that the kingdom will expand. That's the promise. So don't ever think that your work is fruitless. Because that's not what Jesus said. If if it's worked in, you might not see it in the duration that you're there, but when it's worked in, it will have an effect. The kingdom is influential. So we talked about that, and then we said, oh, man, there's so many things we hit. Matthew chapter 6, we talked about don't worry. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you, you know, anxiety and stress and all those kinds of things, you know, when we seek the kingdom first it begins to alleviate all that tension. And we have people who are wound up. I'm afraid to look at somebody twice on the freeway. I might get like this, you know, like, I'm just saying hi. like. So so this is all about seeking, the, and it's, it's really, an, it's, it's an audacious statement that Jesus makes. When you think about what he said at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, I would read that and say, that's crazy. Don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you wear. I mean, that's an audacious statement. Either it's all true or it's not. And he says, Matthew six thirty three. says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be, taken, will be given to you. Like, he's going to take care of us. What's the priority? What's the priority? Speak in the kingdom. The reason why it doesn't make sense to me is because I don't think kingdom. I think republic. But the glory of a king is really on a reflection of how his citizens are living. So when the Queen of Sheba walks up before Solomon. And there she is. She's halfway up and she almost falls apart because she says to him, Even half the things that have been said about you are like she just saw the glory of the king. She saw the servants, she she saw the decor, and that was a reflection of who Solomon was. How you live matters. How you live is a reflection of glory to the Father. The Lord wants you to be successful. The Lord wants you to prosper. The tension is... The number one priority for us is the image of Jesus, not the prosperity. Come on now. You guys are being okay? You all right? Up, oh, up, oh. anyway. The Lord's will is for us to be in good health. The Lord's will for us is to prosper. That's what the Lord's will is, and we're in a battle, Right? But Jesus, but the Lord says in Romans that we are to be conformed into the image of his son. Well, that helps me because then I know that the trial that I'm facing, if I choose rightly, will actually, that, that trial, if I choose rightly, will actually benefit me, to, if I handle it right, to look more like Jesus on the other end of it. The goal is not for me to get out of it The goal is for me to come under it, squeeze every nutrient out of the trial, and then become more like Jesus on the other side of that trial. But what we want is that, like, well, I shouldn't say we. What I want is I don't want the trial, I don't want the problems. Who wants problems? You know, living a supernatural lifestyle, you look for problems. I was talking to the Lord about that. I don't, I don't know if I want to look for problems. I have enough problems. Did, anyone in the room? You understand what I'm... All right. But the trial is not, is not there to slay me. The trial is actually there to conform me into the image of Christ. So now I can treat the trial... As an opportunity to be more like Jesus on the other end of it. Why? Because the goal is not heaven, the goal is the image. Are you guys out there? Oh boy. Then we talked about ambassadors, and we talked about sons and daughters. Wow, I just, have to, I just have to repeat this again. An ambassador never worries about supply. He is supplied because he's engaged in a work. And the government doesn't want to have that ambassador worry about supply when they're engaged in work. So the supply doesn't come from the country they're in, the supply comes from the country they're from. So when we have a U.S. Embassy set up in another country, that country is not supplying them. What's supplying them is the government that, the, that that U.S. Embassy is coming from, from the United States. They fund and supply their ambassadors. It's crazy. I mean, it's cool. Not crazy bad, it's good. So when, when the scripture says that we're ambassadors, don't take that lightly. Because I did, until I understood it. I even—I mean, I got saved when I was 16, and I wasn't raised in the, you know, we are Christ's ambassadors. You know, like singing. The, but the truth is, is that ambassadors don't worry about that. Well, that takes me back to Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be given. That takes me back to Matthew 6, where Jesus says, don't worry. Don't stress out. Your heavenly Father knows what you need, and you're more important than the lilies, whatever, the birds of the air. You're more important than that. Why? Because not only are you a son and daughter, which is it just doesn't get any better than this, you guys. Not only are we ambassadors, we're sons and daughters. Wow. So he he is committed to supplying your every need. I know that's hard for you to believe. And I know there's question marks, pounds, and I know situations are jumping everywhere in your head, but it's true. Now, he doesn't say your wants. He says your needs. And here's what I know. God knows what I need more than I know what I need. Now, I I could talk to the Lord really in a louder voice and tell God what I need. And that reminds me of my kids when they're younger telling me what they need. And as a father, you're like, you don't need that. You don't need that. You, you want that, but you don't need that. No, I need it. No, you want it. Because you really, come on. The older you get, the more wisdom you have. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can look at those. He knows what we need. And so, all of that culminates, I mean, just think about this. So, my prayer point and, and even for me as a guy that's over 40, looking at that, I'm praying, Lord, help me to see life as you see it. Give me a view. Give me a, help me to live out of a kingdom reality. And ecclesia is right in the middle of it because we actually operate governmentally from a kingdom paradigm. So I want to view life, and I want to see life, and I want to do life out of this reality that defines who I am, namely what the Scripture says in who I am. So the Scriptures say, I'm a son and daughter. daughter, I'm an ambassador. I'm royalty. And I live in a place of righteousness because he's living inside of me, which is what I want to talk to you about today. (laughs) I knew this wasn't going to happen. I'm going to race through this, man. So take your Bibles, take your iPhones, smartphones, excuse me, your Bibles. I still like paper. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and I just want to give you a summary today, just a quick devo, and then I want to bring the worship team up. I really like that last song, Jordan, (laughs) Kaylee, way to knock it out of the park. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Everyone say amen. 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 That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Let's talk about royalty for just a moment. The word royalty, the Greek word there means to rule. It means to to be kingly. So he's actually connecting royalty with priesthood. He's actually connecting ruling with relationship. Now... Royalty, I mean, this is, again, we're just doing a flyby today. Royalty are members of a ruling social class, like in the, in the pure, like, earthly, like, definition, which has a clearly defined lineage. They're also called nobles or nobility, right? When we become sons and daughters we come into direct line of direct royal line because of the blood of Jesus we actually share the royal lineage of our king so that means that everyone in this room is royalty Ephesians 2.13 says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So we are a royal family. Now I'm talking kingdom. I'm not talking anything other than that. We are a royal family. We are an extended family family of our King. Being born again, accepting Jesus in your heart is not a band-aid. Accepting Jesus in our life and living for him is actually living as sons and daughters who are ambassadors, but more just as important the royal ambassadors, and the royal sons and daughters because they're connected to a king. In other words, when the enemy tries to derail you, which he always, he always goes after our identity, when he tries to derail you, stand up and say, I'm royalty. You're not being... Um, You're not making that up. You're not being uh, arrogant. You're actually declaring the word of God over your life. And we ought to treat each other as royalty. That means slander ends. Gossip ends. Anything that's poked towards somebody, you're poking it toward God's royal child. And royalty can be messy. I mean, you ever watched, like, ever studied royalty throughout history? Wow, glad Jesus isn't like that. <laughs> Exodus 19.6, and you will be for me a kingdom. That word there means royal dominion of priests. And that word means mediators and a holy set-apart nation. That's all the way back in Exodus. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. So kingdom, the word literally means royal dominion, and priest means mediators of the grace of God to man. Revelation chapter one, verse six, and he made us to be a kingdom, the word there is royal rule, and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 5, 10, and you have been made. Uh, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign yes. on the earth. Yes. Reigning is always connected to kingdom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah sixty-two verse three: You will be a crown of splendor. In the Lord's hand, a royal diadem, in the hand of our God. And so this morning, I'm speaking to royalty. That's kind of a weird thought, isn't it? What does that look like? Well, let me just kind of wrap this part of it up. Royalty is not to be selfish, but to serve people. Keep in mind that a royal kingdom is enthroned with a perfect savior and king who came and showed us how to live as kings from a kingdom perspective. So let's look at some contrasts. Jesus came in a stable, not a palace. Wow. We're talking about the king. Anyway, you guys know. Jesus came to be among the people. Royalty tends to isolate themselves from the people. Like, we're better. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. Jesus did not adorn himself with king's clothes and attire. Jesus was not buried in royal garments or placed in a type of pyramid or whatever. He was placed in a tomb purchased by someone else. Jesus was royal in standing, but chose to come to us as a servant king. What he brought possibly was royal, or should I say, he brought the true riches. What adorned Jesus was not robes and crowns, but only what heaven gives. His royalty is measured or perceived in what heaven is doing. We know that he is now glorified. He has taken on his true royal role. His identity was royal, and he was so secure that he could come in the manner of a servant. What's our role? Serve well, love well, destroy the works of darkness. I think we have to caution ourselves to make sure that being royalty has nothing to do with pomp, but rather humility. From royalty, we know how we're to live. So there's, a, there's this revelation of who we are in Christ and something that needs to be explored. Like that's a, that's a Bible that's a study for you. Like, what does it mean to be royalty? In other words, Paul says, we've moved from sinner to saint. So when he's addressing the believers in the New Testament, he's talking to them as saints, not as sinners. You were a sinner before Jesus came into your life but as soon as the transaction was made, if I can use that word, as soon as redemption came, you moved from here all the way over here. The only time Paul tells us to look back is to remember what Jesus did, not to punish ourselves. We look back to be thankful. But we move forward. I mean, just read Romans 5, 6, 7, just 8, whatever. Just read that, and I'm telling you, as as dark as it is here before you got saved, when you got saved, you are actually translated from darkness to light. The thing is, we don't even know how good we have it. We don't know our position. We don't know our authority. And if the enemy can keep us dark on who we are, then he'll keep us ineffective in what we do. I'm not talking about being arrogant and pushing your shoulders back. I'm talking about, let's look at the life of Jesus. He was constantly connected to the kingdom. He was constantly hearing what his father was saying. There was a communion as a priest unto God with his father, as a son, with his dad, and there's this continual flow back heaven to earth, heaven to earth, and he knew who he was. He was humble, he didn't push anyone away. The disciples are like, Get the kids away from this guy. No, bring him here. He's doing it as royalty. He's functioning in his role, his identity. So we're grabbing for our identity in the latest books that we buy, the latest offerings on Amazon, whatever it is. But we have to know who we are. That's why we spent so much time the last seven weeks defining it. And that's just the beginning. I mean Romans five seventeen. This is where we're going to go next, so I'm just letting you know. Somewhere in September. In fact, I'm going to read it to you because it's been in me for the last three weeks. You guys, all right? Wow, this is crazy. I feel like just reading the whole chapter, but I'm not. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in this life? I know I said that kind of weird, right? Mm -hmm. Listen, it's about reigning in life. How do we do it? How do we do it as kingdom people who are purchased with the blood of Jesus? How do we do it and be... Influences of the kingdom in our culture. How can we do it and not be anxious for anything? But by prayer and supplication, right? Make your request known to God. Reigning in life has everything to do with knowing who you are. You. We will not. Be effective in reigning in life until we know who we are, according to the Word of God. And when we define who we are, let me just tell you what how it impacts me. When we define who we are, let's just use the last boy. Let's just use the last three. If we're sons of, and daughters of God, if we're ambassadors and we are royalty. Some, there's a tension that's created. And the tension is, this is who you say I am, and this is where my life is. And there's the tension. And I'm not afraid of the tension. I don't avoid the tension. What I'm asking is, God, help me. Me understand and give me revelation in the tension because I'd rather move like this than like this, and so we have believers who give up we have believers who's like that's it we're connected to for some reason we're connected to our lifestyle and what we perceive for it to be what we perceive it to look like and the reality of what the cross is all about. Reign in life. I mean, that's a phrase that has massive implications. It's so quiet in this room right now. And I have so much, but I'm not going to go there. I got to finish this series. <clears throat> so I am going to go there. I'm only going to go there briefly. Matthew 6, again, 33. It says Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Forgiven. Righteousness is a key part of how we're positioned in God's kingdom. We know that we are declared righteous when Jesus comes into our life. Can we be grateful to God for that? That's called justification. It's just as if I've never sinned. I mean, this is good news. You mean that a person who has a life sentence in jail can turn their heart to the Lord, find Jesus, receive Christ, and be declared just as if they'd never sinned? It's true. Isn't that amazing? We're declared righteous, but we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So, sanctification is the process of being set apart. The word sanctify means to be set apart. So, when we are being sanctified, that's it. again right there in Romans, it's all like all these long theological words. Sanctification is like we're, we are declared righteous before the Lord and we stand, we stand before the Lord based on the merit of Jesus who was sinless. So we thank God for that, right? We're declared a child of God. Now we're working out our sanctification. We're working out this thing called the Christian life. And in that, there's this thing called righteousness. Righteousness is our position before the king. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become a citizen of heaven. The Bible talks about the kingdom, citizenship. But righteousness has to do with our position as a citizen of heaven. That's why it's important, and there's the tension. I'm not preaching works, I'm preaching Grace. But I'm talking about out of this communion with the Lord, this intimacy with the Lord, this love relationship with Jesus, we actually, he actually puts it in our hearts to do right things. Righteousness is right living. So in other words, you could be a citizen of a country and not be in a favorable position with the country. In other words, you can be a citizen of the country and be in jail somewhere, that's what I'm trying to say. You can commit a crime. Though you're a citizen, you're you're still not in right standing with the country or the government or the kingdom. Does that make sense? Don't be nervous. So there's the tension of staying connected to the Father. That's why I think, Love the Lord. Andrew was talking, about love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's really big around here. It's intimacy with God, it's communion with the Father. And out of a place of love, we do. But there's a, there's a connection, there's a vital connection. I'm hoping we're going this way and we're connecting with the Father and we're doing as the Holy Spirit leads us to do. But He did say righteousness, He didn't just stop at kingdom. He talked about righteousness or right living. So my life needs to reflect his word. Amen. Amen. When my life doesn't reflect his word, then I'm off. Well, yeah. I'm still a son, but I'm off. That's right. That's yeah. So it's important if we're going to be living this thing called kingdom lifestyle, that we have access to God, we're in... A place of his kingdom, but we're actually living this thing out. And whatever the Lord says for us to do, we do. Listen, we derail when we when we stop we step out of the bounds of the book. You know, I tell people, I mean, I know I said this before, and I'll say it again because it's so good. Not because I said it. You know, I was a youth pastor, for those of you who haven't heard was, remember we had worship practice on Thursdays. So I had my 15-year-old worship team, 14-year-old worship team, they're like, you know, like, and I actually play guitar, just to let you know, I do play. So I'm out there, I'm the worship leader, youth pastor, worship leader, singing songs that I'm embarrassed to tell you about. (laughs) I just don't even go there. Anyway. So, I remember her name, her name was Carrie, and she walked up to me, and she says, Pastor Greg, I think I have the Christian life figured out. I'm like, you arrogant 15-year-old, what are you talking about? No, I didn't do that. I I said, she goes, I think I have it figured out. And I said, what is it? She goes, read the Bible and do what it says. And the Holy Spirit just went. (laughs) That's it. Read the Bible and do what it says. So when it says, forgive others, read the Bible and do what it says. When it says to live in purity, you read the Bible and do what it says. That's righteousness. When I got saved, no one threw a rule book at me. No one gave me a list. No one said, here's all the things you can't you can't do. I probably would have left. I probably would have left. No. Jesus was working in me. And the things I hated, I began to love. And the things I loved I began to hate. I don't know how else to explain it. You would never get me into church. Ever. I went to Catholic Church, but that was 45 minutes. We're done. We had some embarrassing moments in the Catholic Church. But when I found Jesus, everything changed here. But I still had a choice. And I've been pastoring for over 30 years, and it really comes down to that statement. Because I've seen people challenge God's word and say, you know what? That doesn't apply to me. They just derail. And praise God, they come back. They can come back again, right? Circle back, get on the road. But there's a lot of pain over here. But he works everything out for our good, right? So that's how good he is. He takes our disobedience, and he can still make something good of it. But it just means there's, a, you don't have to, there's things you didn't have to go through. You know, as a parent, you're raising your kids, you're like, I hope they don't make that choice. I, just, I know where that choice is going to take them. Just don't make that choice. And then sometimes they do. You pray for them, you love them, and you pray that they'll circle back. When they circle back, they'll say, Dad, you're right. That was a stupid thing I just did for the last 8 months or whatever. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Okay. We're going to have to deal with that. But there's a place of getting back on the road, as I'm trying to say. There's forgiveness. It's called righteous. Listen, my best advice for you about living in righteous is to draw back from a 15-year-old girl who stood about 5'1" and looked up at me and said, "I know, I think I know what the Christian life's all about." Read the word, do what it says. You know, that's why Jesus says, you know, we have to become like children. And there's times when we can theologically argue the word. Sometimes we theologically argue the word so we can get our way. (sighs) Well, that's really not what the Lord said. Because the translation was, the main things are the plain things. The main things are the plain things. And people get caught up on the fringes. Keep the main thing, the plain things, the main things. main things, the plain things. So when you read Galatians 5, and it talks about the sinful nature and the works of the flesh, and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, there's a huge contrast in the two. So for me... This is this is where it comes down to. I mean, I've had Bible college degree, I, you know, all that stuff. It really comes down to the older I get, the more childlike I have to become. Really, it really it, it just comes down to that. And so I'm reading. I was I was I, you know I've been diving into Galatians too, not Galatians chapter two, but Galatians as well. Um, also, there you go. Thank you. Um, If I just stay connected to Jesus, this is, how, this is how simple it has to get for me. If I just focus on John 15, I probably don't have to worry about anything else. What's John 15? You are the vine. I am the branch. You mean it's that simple? Yeah. Because there's Christ in you, the hope of glory, Right? His job is to will and to work his good pleasure in you. What does it mean? I don't focus on the list. If I focus on communion, then the list won't even. I'm not going to say the list won't even appear, but it just the list will not be significant. I I won't even have to give my attention to the list. Because he leads me into all truth. That don't complicate following Jesus. You don't have to. I mean, I enjoy the debates. I can have a fun time talking to you about eschatology. That'd be fun. When is Jesus really going to come back? And that's, that's fun. I mean, I did that in Bible college, and we are screaming at each other at four in the morning. <laughs> How can you be post tribulation okay. But when it comes down to like being a dad, being a being a husband, raising a family, going to work, I think it is pretty simple. Righteousness. Read the word. Do what it says. And I wish, I, I, this is, I'm going to close. In fact, we heard, wow, look at that. All right, you guys do something up there because i, I got to be done. However the Lord leads you. That's my son right there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they do all that keyboard stuff. They have like 400 computers up there. Just give me my acoustic guitar, man. That's all I need. Anyway, where was I at? Thank you. Read the word. Do what it says. And I think I lost my train of thought. Stand. You know, in, a, in every movie, I think virtually every movie, one of the biggest internal problems of the character who has to solve the problem is, do I have what it takes? The other one is, am I worth it? And I say, as a believer in Jesus, you have what it takes and you are worth it. I want the kingdom reality to penetrate our hearts. One of the things I'm so passionate about is that, let's just say, the ecclesia or the church discovers who they really are and then how to function in this life based on who we are. and the world is gonna try and communicate to you, there's 3,000 messages you receive every day and they're communicating something to you. I would say 99% of it is not what the Holy Spirit would wanna communicate to you. Not that it's bad, it's just not complete. I'm looking at leaders, royalty, sons and daughters, ambassadors of the kingdom. I'm looking at a room that's larger than the room in Acts chapter two. I'm looking at a group of people that can change the world. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I believe it. So just take the hand of the person next to you. This is how we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna have ministry team here in a few moments. I just want you to pray for the person on your left and right. And let's let's just pray I don't know how else to say, I was asking the Lord, like kingdom reality to them. Pray that the Lord would reveal in greater measure their true, their their identity, their kingdom identity. In a culture that's trying to tell us who we are, let the Holy Spirit define that. And then let's pray that that the person that you're holding hands with Let's just, let's just believe that they would change history. Can we do that? I mean, that's audacious prayer. I don't even know how to, you would do that, except that they are royalty, they are sons and daughters of the living God, the hands that you're holding, we're all family, we're a royal family. And we can pray for each other as a royal family. Just pray strength. Word, the word encouragement means to put courage in somebody. So let's go ahead and just take about 30 seconds. Let's just pray for the person on your left and your right. this together with Kaylee. Let's sing it. Lord Jesus. that's our prayer this afternoon that you would be lord of our lives thank you for the the blood that purchased our salvation our redemption we stand as royalty today we choose to live righteously and we give you all the honor and all the praise in the name of Jesus amen you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.